Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. Hello, Southern California, and welcome to yet another no-forecast edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. Today is a general question day, as tradition dictates, and the winner of today's best general question will be invited to come down to the control room of KFOX and sit here with yours truly, Farley Malaris, and watch me do a show in private audience. So... Of course, reminding you and remembering that the Astrology Hour is a classroom show and a correspondence course uh, dedicated to open-mindedness and the search for further truth. Today, of course, is your opportunity to ask questions. Not about your life, not about your chart, nothing personal or selfish today. Only general questions concerning astrology, metaphysics, karma, reincarnation, God concepts, Today is also a day of participation, in case you ever have anything to add to any former topics I may have given. So don't be shy. I know there are thousands of people that listen to the show that would never, ever call. But still, it is important that you make contact with me and touch base. Who knows, you might have a rebirth on the air when you do that. Today's topic is called Transit Oppositions. We are going to talk about the phenomena that goes on when a planet in the sky is exactly opposite a planet in your chart, and that is called a transit opposition. And it is a very, very powerful, powerful effect. It gives you awesome opportunity to rebirth, transform, change, let go, and sometimes also recognize that perhaps you have helped manifest exactly what is wrong in your life, exactly the wrong situation, and maybe perhaps give you an opportunity to correct it. This is an obsessive transit. When we have an opposition from any planet, I call it the cookie jar transit because we are usually reaching into the cookie jar and trying to grab too many cookies and pull them out. So a wonderful show, actually, to understand what a transit opposition is. Now, whenever we talk about any kind of transit, usually we talk about transits coming into aspect four degrees on approach and two degrees passing. And a lot of people, of course, will say, well, what does that mean? You know, what is an aspect? Well, an aspect actually is an astrological geometrical term that lets us know that there is a planet in the sky that is in a vibration pattern that can set off a planet in our birth charts. We usually identify these aspects with terms such as squares and trines, sextiles, conjunctions, and oppositions. You can, of course, find out a lot more about the meaning of aspects. You can pick up Debbie Kempton's wonderful book, Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook, and Douglas Block's book is called Astrology for Yourself. And they are wonderful books to help teach you about aspects. Aspects are not hard. They just take a little study. But today we're going to talk about the opposition. Now, let's say you have a planet, for example, at 10 degrees Taurus. And that would mean that anything, anything in the sky at 6 degrees Scorpio, because 10 degrees Scorpio is exactly opposite 10 degrees Taurus, anything at 6 degrees Scorpio would be in a transit opposition range for you to be having a transit opposition to your natal chart. So that the zone of influence would be from 6 Scorpio up to 12 Scorpio that would affect the opposition to that natal planet in your chart at 10 Taurus. And it's easy. If you learn opposites, like if you know that Aries is opposite Libra, Taurus is opposite Scorpio, Gemini opposite Sag, 
Cancer opposite Capricorn, Leo opposite Aquarius, and Pisces opposite Virgo, then you're going to get your oppositions down very easily and very succinctly so you can always figure out natal oppositions or oppositions to your transit chart. So I think that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a great topic and it's an easy topic and it's a wonderful topic because the transit opposition is one of the most important times in one's life. Usually we do find major chapters of our life closing or attempting to close are being cast upon us as far as giving us the choice to close chapters and major new beginnings or rebirth. I actually love transit oppositions. I have learned to embrace them and not fear any transit because I believe that astrology as a science of human understanding and human vibrational patterns gives us the opportunity to literally embrace a particular situation occurring in our lives and deal with it. A lot of you might be married, right? A lot of you might be in relationships. When we talk about relationships last week, we talked about Venus being the planet of love and feminine influence, or those of us that are interested in women would always look to the Venus in our chart and its effect, and Mars being the battery of life, the life force planet, and also representing the masculine quality or the male influence. And obviously, if you are having a transit opposition to your Venus or to your Mars from any planet in the sky, no matter what it is, obviously, a transit opposition from a quick-moving planet like Mercury, Venus, Mars, the Moon, even the Sun, is an aspect that will be over perhaps within a week or so, even quicker, right? But if you're having a transit opposition from one of the outer planets, one of the slow-moving planets like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto, instead of representing a quick phase in your life like the quick-moving planets that might just represent an argument or an incompatible situation or instability, which can occur from a simple opposition over the weekend. A lot of you with Scorpio planets went through transit oppositions over the weekend from the Taurus moon that can be rather unsettling. But you see, if you're having an opposition from a planet like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto, that can actually represent a major breakup or breakdown, a major transition or metamorphosis that can lead you on a complete new path, a complete new destiny in your life. I'll give you an example. If you have Scorpio in your chart around 20, 21 or 22 degrees, hypothetically, if Jupiter would be in Taurus in that area, oppose your Scorpio planets, then you've probably been going through some severe tests of your ego, severe tests of your personal indulgences. And if you have Venus or Mars in Scorpio with Jupiter opposition going on now, you might be overdoing it or underdoing it or being asked to let go or process somebody or some situation in your life. See, people that go through a Jupiter oppose Venus could spend all their money or have it taken from them if they're not careful or become the old compulsive shopper. Or if you're married and you're having a Jupiter opposed Venus, it could take your wife away from you, uh, you know, sometimes through separation, divorce, through disloyalty, cheating, possibly accident or death or just uncontrollable situation. And usually if Saturn is opposed your Venus or your Mars, as we're talking about relationships through a transit opposition, also you might be asked to do something else with your life and let go of a certain situation or relationship with a man that you might be involved in. Sometimes, when we have Jupiter or Saturn oppositions, it doesn't always reflect breakup or separation. A lot of times we are brought or confronted with our heaviest challenges and heaviest obsessions, and usually we also discover that things aren't perfect, whereas we're still given situations in our life as far as what our needs are. Oftentimes what we really want, the perfection we desire, is lacking. That is why a lot of people that go through these transit oppositions to their Venus or their Mars in their natal chart will many times be uncomfortable 
are unhappy with their relationship or their marriage, thinking they can find something better out there, which is not always the case. Because if the opposition is a long one, like if you have Mars or Venus in early Capricorn, you'd be going through a double opposition now with Saturn and Uranus. If you have Mars or Venus in late Gemini, Saturn and Uranus retrograde and Sag are also transit opposition, your Venus and Mars and Gemini. And a lot of times, you know, what you're confronted with is you're confronted with much activity in your life that can kind of shift or imbalance your priorities. But one thing is for sure, transit oppositions 99% of the time are karma time, which means that we are always confronted with major lessons that we are being asked not to take too personal, but just to take it one day at a time, one step at a time. Each of these lessons usually offers completion in a certain situation, resolution, and eventual absolution of a karma in case we recognize a particular obsession that we might have or a particular desire that we have, not a need, but a desire that we want that can either be taken from us or set in front of us just beyond our reach. This is a pretty powerful topic, transit oppositions, and a lot of you are going through them. I'll tell you what else. If you have cancer planets at around 6 to 12, Neptune and Capricorn would be in transit opposition to those planets. Like I said, Pluto and Scorpio opposition Taurus planets. Uranus and Saturn and Sag now opposition Gemini and Capricorn planets. Jupiter and Taurus opposition Scorpio planets. So it looks like the people getting hit the hardest, frankly, would be the fixed signs, right? Especially Tauruses and Scorpios concerning transit oppositions because of Pluto in one sign Scorpio and Jupiter in another sign Taurus. They seem to be getting hit hard as far as dealing with their ego, with their obsessions, and with karmic situations that require absolution, immediate choices. See, when you have oppositions, transit oppositions in your chart, a lot of times we like to procrastinate, but usually things are thrown at us so quick and so hard or so suddenly, sometimes shockingly so, like a Uranus transit opposition, which can be a removal of someone, uh, either through separation, accident, death, or just uncontrollable circumstance, hypothetical situation, where even friends and directions in life and destiny is altered, where you decide that things just aren't the same because this person is gone or for some reason has been removed from me. One of the hardest oppositions I know is the Uranus opposition any planet because almost always we have the Aquarian effect that is the sudden lightning bolt type removal of a career or a residence or a friend or relative or relationship or a marriage, Uranus being the planet of divorce. Obviously, if Uranus would be opposed to the planet in your seventh house of marriage, commitment or partnership, that could also reveal an opportunity for you to have completion with a partnership, a marriage, or a situation, which doesn't always mean continuing it. (laughs) It could always mean making the choice to free yourself from it, making a peace with the situation and the person involved, and then carrying on with something else to do. Okay, welcome to the Astrology Hour, heard weekdays at 12 noon on 93.5 FM KFOX. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, for your enjoyment, enlightenment, and awareness. Today's topic called Transit Oppositions. You know, transit oppositions are not only fun, but they really help you understand the garbage (laughs) in your life. The bad days, the hard days, the weird days, the freaky days, and the spacey days. Days when things happen that you just don't understand. Your life has been going fine. Suddenly the car breaks down in the middle of traffic. Suddenly you get notice you've lost your job. There's really nothing wrong with anything in life. A lot of times I believe metaphysically that everything is perfect, that there is a reason for everything, even though we think that there is tremendous tragedy that besets and befalls certain people. I really do believe that people don't create or manifest things they can't handle individually. That's why 
we look at some people and say, God, how can they do that? How can they handle that surgery? I could never do that. Or how can they deal with having to put up with the AIDS or the leukemia or the cancer or the birth defect or whatever it is, the bad marriage or the alcoholism? But these are life situations that are manifest for a particular individual's personal karmic path and personal karmic evolution and growth. So I do believe that even though a lot of people don't like to hear that, that things are perfect for the way they happen. And that's why when life seems to be calm and subtle and serene and everything seems to be going along in a more perfect situation and then suddenly things do hit the fan, that we do realize that we are having an opposition. And usually when we have an opposition, things do seem to rock. The boat seems to rock. Notice what happened with Mercury and Venus this week, for example. Mercury and Venus, for example, were two planets that went opposition Saturn and Uranus, which obviously affected some California cities, including San Francisco area, and they created earthquakes. And we do find in in astrological analysis that earthquake vibrations will occur during the transit opposition to particular cities' charts. Even though when Los Angeles had its big quake in October of 87, it was having a square, a Mars square Uranus at that time. That's why I'm not worried about a quake affecting this city because it looks like that opposition is coming to an end. But at the same time, we do find that transit oppositions are things that we must understand, we must respect, we must embrace in order for us to understand what happens with our lives. When I was married, I got married into a situation that I thought was stable, okay? Then I had some major oppositions go on. Suddenly my wife was ripped away from me and my marriage was ripped away from me and my business was ripped away from me. Of course, these are things that we have to cry about, but I think part of being able to be strong and handle life is the emotional and the mental and the physical and the spiritual process that we must force ourselves to go through in order to close certain chapters and open new ones. So when you do identify and recognize and embrace the fact that you are having a transit opposition, even if it's a moon, see, the moon is a strong effect. The moon has a strong effect. If you followed the moon every single day, and the moon will go opposition everything in your chart in a 28-day period. So you're going to have 11 moon oppositions every month. It helps a heck of a lot (laughs) to know when you're having your lunar oppositions to know which parts of your life can be affected or shaken up. For example, moon-opposed sun can be a little unsettling, a problem with the father, or maybe a little problem with your own personal stability for that day. Moon-opposed rising sign could be a problem with a relationship or with your personal identity or appearance. Moon-opposed mercury can be an anxiety transit. Moon-opposed Venus can be a financial transit. Most people spend money on moon-opposition Venus. Moon-opposition Venus or Mars could be an emotional struggle with a partner in the relationship. That's right. You know when your moon-opposed Venus or Mars hits? I know when mine does. When moon goes into Capricorn, I I try to be alone that day. Because I know I'm having a moon-opposed Venus, and if I'm around a woman, I'm liable to have a fight or an argument usually. I've tested that. It works. It does happen. Moon-opposed Jupiter is the indulgence time to go overboard in something. Moon-opposed Saturn is a karmic effect that can happen with yourself, with the mother, with your personal security or residence. Moon-opposed Uranus can be an unsettling situation with your friends or your goals. Moon-opposed Neptune is an escapist transit where you feel like running. If you're into drugs and alcohol, that's when you would take them more heavily. And we're talking about the big drunk, okay? And then Moon-opposed Pluto can be a sexual effect, sexual problem or genital problem, infection, or maybe a, a lack of sex, frustration in that area. And a moon-opposed moon is one of the more sensitive times emotionally for you during the month. See, if I could teach you how to learn how to follow your transit oppositions, 
then I could really teach you about the cycles of life, the patterns of life. Just like I feel when we have transit trines and transit sextals, that life can be more fun and easier. And obviously in your chart, sometimes you could be having transit trines, transit sextals, and transit oppositions all during the same day. So part of your day could be a lot of fun, and then certain parts of your day would be like, weird. Of course, when you're having bad days, what you think are bad days, the transit square days and the transit opposition days, when you just feel like running or taking the day off, you know, a lot of times you want to escape from your karma. You want to escape from the choices that need to be made. You want to escape from this completion that you're being offered. You're always being offered completion when you have transit squares or transit oppositions. Don't run from them because you can't climb the ladder of evolution, the ladder of life, and the ladder of growth unless you tackle, embrace, and complete these cycles of your life. The ones of you that fall into ruts, the ones of you that are so scared and frightened, the ones of you that are obsessed and selfish, the ones of you that cannot let go and cannot process are the ones that are not paying attention to are making use of these powerful transit oppositions that are affecting your chart and letting you know it is time to close certain chapters and open other ones. It is time to rebirth and metamorphosize. It is time to change. That's just what I've been doing with my life. I've been changing, and it's fun. And a lot of us don't like to change, especially those of us with cancer planets that hold on to the past and collect things and collect people and hold things as tender and dear and nurturing to us with Neptune in Capricorn and Saturn and Uranus coming back to Capricorn later this year, perhaps, right? A lot of us with cancer planets are being asked to let go of the past and process the junk and do a major life spring cleaning and do a major let go process of a lot of these things that have been anchoring us to our emotions and to our feelings and such. A lot of us don't like transit oppositions because a lot of us don't like to turn the pages of life. We don't like for things to our people to pass. But it's reality. It's what's it about. It's what life's all about. All things must pass. And transit oppositions let us know when they happen, when they finish. And they are one of the more harder, obvious, sometimes volatile, or at least exciting or challenging times in your life. Nothing to be afraid of, just something to embrace and say, let's go for it. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, when you're waiting in that other room and half time's over and the clock is ticking for the second half to begin, and that door bursts open, or it's time for you to parachute out of a plane and jump out, you know, it's time. The door opens and you got to go. When you got to go, you got to go. And that's what the opposition says. It says, go for it. Do it. Don't wait. So learn your transit oppositions and follow them because they can help you resolve a lot of this garbage in your life. I call the transit oppositions the garbage aspect of the zodiac. Time to dump and time to get rid of things. Just make sure you do it with love and life and with peace and with balance. Let's go to the phones now. Today's a no forecast day on the Astrology Hour and allows people to use the show like a class where they can ask questions. Patricia is on line one, and how are you? Thank you for being patient. Fine. This is general question day, right? Right. Okay, in my natal chart, I have my sudden is Virgo. And the north... Okay, now you're asking a question about your own chart. Well, it's an opposition in the chart that I've never understood. Okay. And I have a problem with the Pisces north node. Okay, let's be specific. What's your question? I've never understood what this north node is, whether it's good or bad. And according to your literature, it's something about uh, it's the head of the dragon if it's the north node. The north node is the point of the soul's direction as far as optimum completion, karmic completion for a particular life cycle. So we always identify north node in house and sign. Yours is in Pisces 18. What house? The fifth. Okay. So your completion would be a spiritual completion 
with fifth house matters, spiritual from the Pisces effect, fifth house matters meaning your family, your parents, and your children. Okay? Oh, really? And when you complete spiritually bonding with your family and children, then you will have optimized your life's mission. Okay? It doesn't have anything to do with the Pisces or the sign. It has a lot to do with Pisces. Pisces is a vibration that is spiritual. It is loving. It is like an authentic love vibration. It's not political. It is spiritual. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh Bye. Let's go to Pat on line three. Hi, Pat. Are you there, Pat? Oops, hold on. Now, Pat. Okay, is that me? Yeah, that's you. (laughs) I'm not trying to play games with you, I I swear. I don't believe you. Being a Pisces, I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Pat. Okay. Uh, my question is general, but in a sense it applies to me and probably all Pisces people and, and might help that lady ahead of me. <laughs> really? How can a Pisces person learn to concentrate on one thing? And is this a problem with my karma from other lives or whatever you want to call it? What happens to you? Do you wander? Do you daydream? Do you space out? I'm a writer. I'm trying to be a successful writer, but it's not really easy. And I find that this is my biggest problem, trying to concentrate on one thing at a time, get that done, and go on to another thing. Mm -hmm. So do you lack focus? Do you mean by focus, do I know what I want? I know what I want. Mm -hmm. A lot of Pisces, this is my theory, I think that Pisces are kind of like half in this dimension and half out of it. I've heard that. In other words, I think that the Piscean vibration is so magical that I think that these people that have Pisces planets or enhanced Neptunes or 12th house planets are people that are actually in touch with higher realms. And what that does is it detracts from trying to live in the material plane. And that's why a lot of Piscean individuals sometimes either lack focus or have trouble zeroing in on things in this dimension because it's like they're halfway busy with things in another dimension. Does this have anything to do with a Pisces child being born at the end of their karma? Rumor has it that people with Pisces planets particularly sun signs and moon signs, sometimes rising signs, but people with sun in the 12th or moon in the 12th, other planets in the 12th also, are people that are being given an opportunity that where they have earned a Pisces vibration for this life cycle, and the opportunity is to rise up above this dimension and overcome it, and therefore being able to finally process and let it all go without feeling a pull to come back here. But of course, this process has to be finished in a humble, selfless, kind of like humanitarian fashion. You mean if I'm poor right now as I am, I have to stay poor? Well, I don't know. If you think that money and being rich is an important part of your happiness, then you'll probably lose your Pisces and come back as an Aries next time. Oh. Or a Taurus. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. I don't mind being Pisces. I just want to work with it and understand it. I think what's more important is not that we ask for being wealthy, but I think being humble and asking just to be comfortable first. Is an important That's step. All right. Then get the, maybe you should get that script out of your mind about being rich because unfortunately not everyone can be rich, but I think the God force is merciful enough that if we try to manifest comfort, we can do that. I like to use the mantra prosperity and comfort surround me. Okay. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Bye bye. Let's go to Amy on line four. Hi, Amy. Hi. How, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Um, thank you. I just started listening to your program about a week ago. And I don't know the exact hour of my birth. The hospital I was born in was burnt, and the county doesn't have the records. It's like Amy was born, and then the hospital went up in flames. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm wondering is if you can provide a semi-accurate reading if I gave you, I know that I was born in the early morning, 
of September 19th. Now, I was wondering if, you know, if that would be... There's two things that we can do. Uh-huh. Some people that can afford it either seek out a rectification. I'm $200, so I'm expensive because my time is limited. That's why I'm that expensive. When I lowered my rate, I was so swamped that I started hating astrology. Mm-hmm. So at 200 it allows me to be more quality in my consultations right. and enjoy my work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when people come in, what we do in a rectification, we try to fit the round peg in the round hole, so to speak, by throwing a bunch of different charts for that day during that time zone on the computer. And then we try to get you to answer yes to more and more questions to see if we can fit into your exact time of birth. All right. Okay? That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's go to Judy on line six. Hi, Jude. Hey, how you doing? Excellent. Wonderful. I got a question. I don't know if uh, anyone in the body can answer, but I'll throw it at you. Anyone in my body? In a body. You know what I mean. Anyone alive on this planet can answer. <laughs> what I've been thinking about for a long time is in studying metaphysics, they speak of like the seven levels of consciousness or awareness. And I'm just trying to put in my head together where it is that, say, the angels live and where it is that Dr. Peoples lives and where it is you go in your dreams and basically how many levels you have to climb to be with God eventually. Well, um, frankly, you're with God now. Right. You really don't have to climb anywhere to be with God because your multidimensional self is plugged into God. What we talk about is the conscious mind and its awareness of where it is mm-hmm. within the multidimensional self. Now, as far as angels, I believe that between Earth dimension and the higher realm, where the angels and where spirit guides like Dr. Peebles would reside, would kind of be bridged would bridge the gap of darkness or the gap of limbo, which is like where lost souls dwell, meaning that souls that do not wish to participate in the reincarnation cycle or don't believe in it or don't follow some of the metaphysical structures, what they do is they miss their option to go into the light and then they're kind of caught in a limbo state where their only sensitivity to any dimension is what they see us do on earth because they're here with us and also their senses would manifest experiences if they were plugged into our chakras, which is like entity interference or possession. So you have your third dimension, then you have your fourth dimension, which is like a limbo state. And within the fourth and just beyond, which would be like into the fifth dimension, would be the realm that I feel where we begin an angelic type heritage. In that plane of existence, which is beyond the Akashic stream and and beyond the limbo state, is where our dream self plays, where our intuitive mind lies and other parts of our multidimensional self. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are different types of angelic beings, where I believe that the third dimension, of course, is not the bottom. You know, I believe that there are levels lower than this, which you would almost call hellish states. Maybe some existence in the insect world or in the animal kingdom is like a different dimension, like cats kind of live in their own plane of existence that's different than human, that I don't know whether it's higher or lower. It's pretty carnivorous, you know, actually, so... It must be lower, but I do believe that the third dimension is not quite to the middle. It's below the middle, and then as we go beyond the limbo state to higher realms, then we plug into guides and beings who have overcome the reincarnation cycles. Of course, it's very difficult for them to get through to us, but if they concentrate and meditate, and if they're powerful enough and we are open to it, then we can, in fact, make contact with these beings. Now, when you go beyond that level where the guides and the angels reside, separation and uniqueness becomes like a flame. And the God force is actually more like an ether or a fiber or an essence. And we actually lose our individuality and any 
sustenance of thinking that we're separate or having identity kind of dissolves into the oneness of it all the higher we get to the God force. Does that help you, any? Yes. What started this questioning was I read your book about the science of reincarnation that you gave out, and it mentioned something about not to try so hard to concentrate on the psychic or on the be obsessive with the astral realms because they're much like the earth plane, and to try and just concentrate on the oneness to get yourself higher. That's right, because you can plug into that ether in a human state. Uh-huh. Just like you can from any plane. You can always plug into the source if you work hard enough on it, if you believe hard enough about it, and if you respect enough what it is. So, you know, it's not like we're only as far away as we believe we are. Uh-huh. And being like Christ, who actually was walking around with this state of mind all the time, was obviously aware of his connection and relationship to God and all people as one. Okay? Now, that's a good one. And I'm not saying that I have the bottom line answers. Like you say, who knows? the real truth about the answers to this, but from what I shared with you is what I have learned and and what I best think is as close to the truth as a human might think, but I know that other people do have information on that too, okay? Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Because I don't want someone to write me a letter and say, Farley, who do you think you are that you know this answer? That's a tough question. I don't know if I do know the answer is the question. I am Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, here weekdays at 12 noon on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. We are a public-supported radio show. Hope to have you listen every day at 12 noon. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Alexis now on line 8. Hi. Hi, Farley. Yo. Listen, this is not a question. This is a large thank you. One month today, no cigarettes. Oh, my God. All to the reading that you gave me, and I want your listeners to know how fantastic a teacher you are. Oh. And I remember talking a 30-year, two-pack-a-day habit. Not only that, but I'm losing weight. And I just have to thank you. <laughs> you feel better now? Oh, I mean, fantastic. Every time I think of your explanation, I have to holler at those leeches. Do you feel Do you feel good? Do you feel <laughs> Absolutely better? Absolutely fabulous. What about your friends and relatives? Well, they I can't been... believe I've done it. I'm just glorifying in the fact I wake up every morning and I don't smoke. Oh, man, that's, you know... It's you, kid. You did it. You uh, Well, you helped. <laughs> you We blew those guys out of the water, didn't we? Listen, I recommend you highly to anybody. You're worth every... And you're not expensive. You're worth every penny. Thank you, sweetheart. Okay, and I will be in touch with you. I love you, and you stay on that track, okay? I sure will. Sucking straws. You got it. Okay. You've been sucking straws, huh? Okay, now, the, the technique I gave you was to cut a straw up like a cigarette exactly. and just to suck air whenever you wanted to smoke. I'm getting so high on oxygen. <laughs> Are you really? Great. I'm telling you, you're a, you're a godsend. Oh, I love you. That's great. Okay, Farley, thanks. Hey, maybe you're going to start a new fad here. Well, Sucking air. I'm going to recommend you. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, that's great. Smoking two packs a day for 20, 30 years, and she finally gave up. God bless her. Let's go to Pat on line number five. Hi, Pat. Hi, Farley. How are you? Real good. Good. You've been on a roll lately with your topics. They've been absolutely super. Oh, thank you very much. This question kind of relates back to Friday's topic. I believe it was on uh, parents. Okay, yeah. How can you detect incest or child molestation in a chart? Well, okay, that's a good question. A lot of times, if we have a sun or a moon or any planet opposition to a Scorpio planet, especially if it's in the first house or if it's chart ruler, that would show a possible molestation, a square to a first house or a Scorpio planet or the sun or moon or Pluto in the chart would show actually the child encouraging sometimes the molestation. You know, where sometimes children 
will get real curious about sex and love or and they'll be a little bit more you know a lot of times if there's squares in a child's chart to any of those planets sun moon first house planets chart ruler or pluto then the, the child might accidentally encourage the molestation do you know what i mean by that yeah okay where they just might be that sexy when they're a child and be an easy beginner be open minded and be prone or subject to sort of enchanting someone now the opposition in the natal chart to the first house planets to scorpio planets and uh, particularly saturn in scorpio or saturn in the 8th house is also another karmic aspect that can show molestation with children in their in their natal chart whenever you have any oppositions then that would also show more of an aggression like a rape or like something that is done to the child that the child doesn't want it's like somehow we manifest this type of karma in our childhoods where certain people like a brother or a sister or a friend or an uncle or a grandpa or a babysitter might manifest in the life who would be molesting us or taking advantage of sexually and the opposition would reveal that you know where we might be frightened to tell anyone about it because we're put under pressure not to you know what i mean by that yeah what about when you have a chart comparison between a father and a child what aspects would show that well okay if a father's chart would square or oppose that child's pluto or that child's venus or mars sometimes the moon or a first house planets or the first house lord then we could find the option for molestation to occur between that parent sometimes it doesn't manifest sexually sometimes it could just manifest emotionally where a lot of hate and anger is projected upon the child which i feel is like an emotional or a psychic rape anyway so if it's a physical involvement then usually the pluto is affected like if a child has a t square from his chart onto his child's pluto then there could be a sexual karma there or vice versa does that help you any yeah thank you pat thank you do you know a child that went through this sort of thing i know two people one who claims it happened but nobody believes her mhm and even her mother says that it never happened yeah and her father's dead and the other one is one who wrestles with it it's like it's a situation where I'm not sure she thinks it really happened. It blows a lot of my clients' minds when they come in for readings and I'll see something like that in their chart and I'll ask them if there was a situation and they freak out because they got so much denial in their life the fact that someone would sit there and ask them if it actually happened it almost brings a comfort to them or something. Well, on one of the persons she had a regression and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. To the regression. That's heavy. Yeah. Okay, thank you Pat. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have all kinds of pats today. Let's go to Patrick online. It's Pat Day today, huh? Yes, it must be. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> what can we do for you, Guy? Uh, I was wondering how the phases of the moon, other than besides the sign and the degree and the house of the moon, but how the phases of the moon affect either the birth chart or the solar return or the Jupiter return. You mean... Whether it's a full moon or a new moon. Oh, you mean if you're born with a full moon. Right, or... Oh, I see. Well, it is said that, of course... No matter where your moon is, no matter what sign it's in, if you're born with the moon waxing too full, the two-week period before it's full, and even if you are born with a full moon, that you would be more emotionally stable because of that effect. A lot of us that are more emotionally unstable, no matter what sign or house or aspects on the moon, may happen because we were born during the new moon or when the moon was waning, going going from light to black. Uh-huh. So we do find more people emotionally together. being born during the waxing phase and approaching to full at least that's might been my experience. Uh-huh. Okay? Okay, thank you very much. Bye-bye. We return weekdays at 12 noon on KFox 93.5 FM. Please join us. 
And have a nice day. We'll see you real soon. Weekdays, KFOX 93.5 FM at 12 noon. And I love you. Bye-bye.